Good morning. Welcome to Bay. Thanks for being with us this weekend. I want to give a shout out to the Mobile campus. Welcome, and even all of our friends and colleagues over in Honduras, thank you for being with us this weekend. Uh, I, I do want to share one thing with you. Uh, we This weekend actually celebrates the 16th year of our church. We started 16 years ago, so it's our anniversary. And what's really unique is this weekend, uh, the launch team met at the middle school in Foley, starting to get preparations made, and that campus will open on Father's Day uh, just a few weeks away. So we're really excited about that. It's ironic that it kind of fell in this same weekend. So can we give all of our uh, Foley guys a big hand for what they're doing? A lot of work. If you have your device, your phone, your Bible, if you want to turn to John chapter 5, one text. In this series, Face to Face, we're looking at real people who had real encounters with Jesus. We're looking at their response and how they changed, his response. We've talked about Mary Magdalene. We've talked about John, the disciple. And what, what I want you to see is that it, we're discovering more about Jesus. You're, and when you, your concept of Jesus affects your concept of God because if Jesus is a certain way, the Father is a certain way. It's very important that we have the right concept of God because you know, a, a lot of people, they don't really worship God. They worship their concept of God. Or maybe they don't pray to God. They pray to their concept of God. They're, they're not sharing with others the true concept of God. And I, I, I want to talk about this, and I, I want you to see, but I want you to understand something before I get into the body of this message. The Father's goal in giving us Jesus as Lord and Savior is, is more than just you know, removing burdens from our lives or, or getting the enemy off our backs. The, the Father's goal is to transform our lives into Christ's likeness. The Father is more concerned about us coming forth, uh, his, his Son coming forth in our lives uh, than, than He is focused on defeating Satan. I mean, Satan... Who, who is Satan? Who, who can defy God? He's already a defeated foe. So the goal for, for the Father is for us to be Christ-like. So I want you to, we'll connect the dots to that in this message. This week I want to talk about the lame man in John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was the feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now this was the second Passover in his ministry. Uh, he attended Passover's growing up as, as, a, as a child. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now, porches are there to help for the, the people to get under to keep out of the hot sun. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time to the pool, stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, and he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise or stand up, Take up your bed and walk. And, and by the way, just in case I forget to say it, 
his bed is not like your king-size, queen-size bed, okay? His, his bed is a mat. So he's going to roll up his mat, okay, put it under his arm and walk. Immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus had a bad habit of healing people on the Sabbath. If you want to know if Jesus had any bad habits, according to the Jews, he, he was helping people on the Sabbath. Verse 10, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it's the Sabbath, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, well, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, well, who's the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn, the multitude being in that place, people start crowding in, they hear that there's a miracle and Jesus, he just slips out. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus, sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. They're going to try and kill Jesus because he helped people on the Sabbath. That's a perfect picture of showing you how messed up religion can get. It can really get messed up. Now, this story is interesting and you could say that this wasn't a one-time encounter. This was a two. Uh, he, he, we've looked at people who've known him, known Jesus their whole life, like John. But this, this is the original encounter with this guy. And the first time, he doesn't even know it's Jesus. It happened at Bethsaida. This is a type of the church. It pictures the church. By the way, you're the church. If you're a believer in Christ, you represent the church. So this is a picture of the church. This pool in the natural was 360 feet long, 130 feet wide, 75 foot deep, almost the size of Noah's Ark. There were five porches there that were literal porches that people could get under to get out of the sun. But this looks like this is the type, this is a picture of the church because the church is made up of five-fold ministry. It's made up of the prophet and the apostle and the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher. Now, this may help you because when you see the word Beth in the Hebrew, it means house. You've probably heard the word Bethel. That is the house of, of God. El is short for Elohim, so it's the house of, of God. There's Bethsaida, that's the house of fish. There's Bethlehem, that's the house of bread. There's Bethpage, that's the house of figs. So the point is that when you see this in there, it means house of. This was the house of mercy. So this area represents the house of mercy. Now, to me, it represents the church. It represents, if there's any place on earth and if there are any people that should be merciful, it should be the church, the believers in the Lord, the, the born-again believers. We should be merciful because we've received so much mercy that we should be able to extend mercy. But how many times you know, has the church been a place of judgment and criticism? Most people have a church story. And where they were burned or they were hurt or they were criticized or whatever. But you remember that you're the church. We're the church. And Jesus is saying, this should be a place of mercy. And here are all these people and mercy needs to be extended. The scripture said right beside it was the sheep gate. Historically, this is where they would bring in the sheep to go to the temple. It was close to the temple for the sacrifices. That's the type of the church also because you come in, you accept Christ. You, you know, you're part of the sheep coming in and going out. I tried to make a few come in as a goat, go out as a sheep joke in all the other services. It didn't work, so I'm not going to waste it on you either. <laughs> it said at a certain time, at a certain time, an angel went down and stirred the water. 
history tells us. Now, in this series, we're talking primarily out of the Scripture, but also through history of, of that day, the writers of that. And I'll tell you more about that in the series and who you can read behind. I've had people asking me and all this. So I'll give you all that. But the, the historians of that day tell us that these stirrings began about the time Christ came to the earth. And it says it was around a certain time, which is around the feast times. And, and so, you know, Jesus, who, who would have been in town during the feast? Well, well, Jesus, even as a child. It said that a certain angel went down every year at a certain time. And, and at this time, this was Passover. And, and some manuscripts even say the angel of the Lord. Anytime in the Old Testament it says the angel of the Lord is talking about Jesus. So it's, it's possible that Jesus himself stirred the water. I, I, I don't know, but, but it, you know, it just, it's at a certain time every year, it's the feast and the Passover, and, and it was possible. I just wonder if, if Jesus, when he went to Passover, even as a five, six-year-old kid, walking by the pool and all those people, and he just does this, and the water stirs, and somebody jumps in, they get healed, you know? You have no child imagination at all, do you? I mean, can you imagine a kid with being a god, having all this power and doing it? Yeah, I mean, he, I, I, I don't know, just, just something to try to make you laugh that didn't work. <laughs> this is one year into his ministry, and Jesus knows this guy has been here a long time. And he walks up to the guy who's been there 38 years, and he says, Do you want to be made well? Now, to me, this is totally an unnecessary question to ask a man who's at a pool waiting for a miracle. Do you want to be made well? But I don't think Jesus asked unnecessary questions. But what's amazing is the man didn't say yes. Now, we're all in church and, you know, the pool, we're under the covering and we're here. We, we would know to say yes. But this guy, he, he didn't say yes. You would think he would. So I want to go through a few reasons why he didn't say yes to the question. And I think they're the same reasons that we don't answer yes to the question, do we want to be made well? So here's the first one. Excuses. He, he didn't say yes to the question because he made excuses. And, and you see his excuses of why he's different and why it wouldn't work for him. And that's exactly what we do. What, what he was saying is, sir, I have no one to put me in the water when the angel comes. And while I'm trying to get there, somebody else gets in ahead of me and gets my miracle. Here, here's what he's saying. It, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that I'm not healed. It's someone else's fault. And what do we do in our society? Anything that's going against us and causing us to be in a certain situation, we're constantly pointing our finger to someone else and blaming someone else. Well, it's their fault. It's the business's fault. It, it's, it's my employer's fault. It's my in-law's fault. It's my mom and dad's fault. All this, we're, we're constantly trying to blame someone else. But remember, no one can hinder the destiny on your life but you. And here, here's what people tell me as, as pastor. They'll say, Pastor, you don't understand my situation. And, and, and I may not. I may not understand it, but I do understand this about Jesus, that the Scripture says that Jesus is, this, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, Jesus healed yesterday, he heals today, and he'll heal tomorrow. I do understand that, that he will make us well. He hasn't changed. But here's what we do. We make excuses. I'll give you examples, and I, and I know it's going to get a little close and get a little uncomfortable, and before it's over, there's a few that I'll make mad, and it's just what we do. But here, here's some of the excuses that we use. This is how we say it. Oh, I, oh, yeah, I believe God heals marriages. I do. I believe he can heal your marriage. But, but let, let me tell you why it won't work for me. Let, let me tell you why mine's different. 
Let me tell you why he's different. Let me tell you why she's different. Let me tell you why this won't work. God can't heal this marriage. Or or we'll say this, oh, I believe in prosperity and blessings of God, and, and, and I believe in tithing, but let me tell you why it won't work for me. Let, let, let me tell you why I'm the exception to the power of God is what you're saying. Let, let me tell you why it's not going to work for me because I, you know, I, I'm just the exception. No, there are no exceptions to the power of God. The power of God will work for anyone that will apply the principles to their lives. So here's a certain man who had been there, and then that scripture says he had an infirmity. Now, in this text, that word infirmity, it means that, and, and we assume that it was in his legs. And the word in the text means weakness. So he had a weakness in his leg. He was lame in his legs. Paul uses that same Greek word to say God would not remove the thorn from his flesh, but I've learned that in what I'm going to boast, if I'll boast in my infirmities because, you know, I'm, I'm, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Same word when he's talking about his thorn in the flesh. What's he talking about? He's talking about the power of Christ in us. So what weakness do you have? I mean, we, we, at one time, we, we all have a weakness. For him, it's a physical weakness. Maybe you have a phys- physical weakness. Maybe yours is, is emotional. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's, you know, whatever's going on in your life. What weakness is it? I mean, think about it. What weakness? What's the one thing if you could get rid of? What's the one thing if you could change? What's the one thing if you could be free from? And, and I can just read it on your faces some of you thinking I don't have any (laughs) ask your wife she'll give you a list ladies am I right we all have a weakness we all have weaknesses do you want to be made well that that's the question here's the second reason he didn't answer yes to the question it's effort he didn't put any effort in it and Jesus said Stand up, take your bed and walk. He didn't say be healed. He did that in in some people. He said be healed. But he he said take up your bed and walk. Are you going to put some effort into this? The guy's been there 38 years. It's easy to get comfortable in your weakness. It's easy to go to church all your life, live in the Bible Belt, go to church all your life, hear sermon after sermon after sermon, and become comfortable with your weakness. And as long as you're willing to stay under the covering of the port so you can keep a little of the heat off your back and a little bit of discomfort there, you'll just learn to live with your discomfort. Now, you, you may be lame and you may not be running the race and you may be just existing and you may be just getting by, but you see, Jesus didn't come for you just to exist and to get by. Jesus came for you to be whole, to be well. So whether it's your emotions or whether it's your physical or your spiritual, whatever it is, he came for you to be well. But you need to put some effort into it. And, and, and you see, this guy, you know, he, I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. This is the way I see this guy. I see this guy as a lazy, lethargic man. 38 years, and now they, and, and they had to put it together. It's around the three feasts during the year. Maybe not the day, but the day before. Maybe I don't know. But to me, I, I, I really think... Yeah, he was so comfortable, and you know, he knew everybody there. And it was like one big happy family. He, he, he didn't even have to look at the screens to sing Kumbaya. He knew all the words. He, he, he knew which evening they played bingo. And you know, it was just kind of like just existing. 
I'm, I'm just getting along with it. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, do you want to be made well? The pastor told me he had a guy in his church uh, that, that would come for prayer, for healing. The guy was in a wheelchair. It wasn't because of his legs, because he had another issue. He was a heavyset guy, and he was in a chair. And, and the Lord just spoke to him and just said, ask him if he wants to be made well. So he asked the guy, do you want to be made well? And the guy thought a minute, and he said, well, not really, because then I'd have to get a job. And the pastor said, listen, we love you, but you know what? Don't, don't, don't come for prayer unless you want to be healed. That's what Jesus is saying to this guy. Do you want to be made well? Are you willing to put some effort into this? Are you willing to change your thinking? Are you willing to change your thinking about what Jesus said and what Jesus does? And, and, and then Jesus comes back to him in the temple, the second encounter, j- just a few minutes later, and he says to him, oh, and sin no more unless the worst thing come upon you. Now, people have taken that one scripture out of context and built a whole entire doctrine around that verse, which is, is inaccurate because when you look at the rest of the scripture, it doesn't fit. People say, well, that proves that all sickness is the result of sin in your life, and, and that, that, that's not what he's saying here. That's not what he's saying. Now, sometimes there is a sin, and, and, and the root of your weakness is a sin in your life, but, but, but it's not the other way. Jesus is just saying, hey, listen, you're, you're well now. You're, you're walking. Don't go back to that way of thinking. Don't go back to the place, because if you do, something worse could come on you. Don't go back to bitterness. This guy could have been bitter at life. Don't, don't go back to unforgiveness. He could blame somebody. He, don't go back to resentment and, and anger and self-pity. Don't, don't, don't go back to that thinking. You're well now. And, and you see, here's the deal. Many don't want to be healed because their affliction brings them attention. Oh, they just thrive on telling you how bad their marriage is, but they never do what the Scripture says. They thrive on telling you how bad it is financially, but they never do what the Scripture says. They, they thrive on, on this. It, it feeds. Their, their, that, it gives that attention to that negative mindset or whatever they're saying. And, and, and you know, I, I, I just noticed this um, year, years ago. Uh, you know, you, in, in the beginning of our church, we, we would have people come for prayer, and, and I, I started noticing that after years, you know, it's kind of like, well, there's a, there's a group of people that they, they come every time, and when I'd pray for them, it was the same request every time, over and over and over. I said, something's not right here. Something's not right. And, and we didn't do it then like we do it now because you would still be sitting here, and we'd be up here, we'd be praying, and you'd be watching, and you'd be looking, and you'd say, oh, there goes so-and-so. I wonder why they're going to the altar. And, oh, look at the, Oh, look, and they're crying. And look at that. I wonder what's wrong with them and all that. So, so you know, it was a little different. But about nine, ten years ago, we changed it. You know how we do. We, we leave, and those who want to come for prayer come where people are not looking and, and being spectators. And, and you know what I noticed? Those, those people, they, they quit coming for that. Maybe they got their healing. I don't know. But after five, six, seven years, they didn't get it. And then they didn't. Well, no, you see, I, I think their attention, they, they wanted attention for their affliction. You've got to put some effort into it. You have to take up the bed. You have to walk. You have to stand. You have to believe the word. You have to get into the word. And you see, we want things so instantaneous. We are so spoiled that we want it so quick. But you see, if you don't put effort into it, you're not going to develop a relationship with God. He's he just another drive-through service for you. Let me go in and get this. Thank you, God. I'm gone. 
No, no, no. He, he wants you to put effort. He wants you to want what he has. He wants you to know him as your Savior, your Lord, and your healer. And he's still healing. So any weakness that you have, he still has the ability to heal it. You have to put effort into it, and you have to lose the excuses. And here's the third point, and I'm finished. Experience. He's waiting for an angel to come down and stir the water. That's his religious experience. What's your religious experience? What were you raised? How were you raised? What's norm to you? What do you think that this is the, this is the situation that God moves in? Because you see, Jesus comes along and he does something totally different. He doesn't come in with an entourage. Oh, man, that's got to be somebody. He, he just comes in and he says, hey, are you willing to do something different for your experience? Are you willing? You, you, he, does, he doesn't even know. He just hears him say, do you want to be made well? And he gives all the excuses and he says, stand up. And I believe he was born this way. I believe for the first time he stood up. And before he could do anything else, he said, now take, row your bed up and, 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 and get out of here. Hit the street. But it was the Sabbath. Uh-oh. Remember, Jesus has a bad habit of doing good things on the Sabbath. So all the Jewish leaders, they said, hey, 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 why are you carrying your bed on the Sabbath? And here's what the guy said that was lame. He said, oh, the man who made me well told me to carry my bed. Now, understand, it's not against the law to carry a bed, the Levitical law. It was against the Levitical law to work on the Sabbath. So he has this mat that's rolled up that weighs half a pound that's under his arm, and they're considering that work. See, religion takes you way too far. I mean, even today, if you go there today in Israel and it's on the Sabbath and you go to the elevator, you, you, you can ride an elevator. The, the regular one will be shut down, but the other one, it stops at every floor because if you push a button, that's work. Or you can take the stairs. You know, that's not work, 10 stories, but anyway. Um, what, what am I saying? I'm saying they've just taken it too far, so far. That's not what God meant. The point was he had to go against his religious upbringing. I think some of us, we come, to the, we, we come to the house of mercy and God says, I, I, I'm not going to do it the way you've been thinking that I'm going to do it because of your religious upbringing. I'm God. My ways are not your ways and, and, and my thinking is not your thinking and I'm going to do things a little different. So there is a possibility for you to be healed. You might have to step out of your comfort zone when it comes to your religious upbringing. I, I knew that would get quiet. His experience was different than what he was looking for. He was looking for an angel. That's the, that's the way God moved. That's, that's the only That's all he knew. This is the way it happens. No, th this is the way it happens. You go in, you sing three songs, you get, you get a sermon, you go home. You, you go in, you do this, and you do that, and you go home. You go in, you do this, and you do that, and then you go home. But you see, he got, God moved in a different way in his life and he didn't even know it was Jesus. Now watch. He did not know it was Jesus. So let me make the connection. There's a theological truth about Jesus that we call the incarnation. That's a whole Bible course if you want to go through one. It simply means a God in flesh. When you, when, when it comes from a, two Latin words. When you put them together, it actually it is God in flesh or simply defined as God 
in the body of a human. So God, in the body of a human, walks up to a lame man. Now, he's waiting on the religious experience, and he's been doing this 38 years, and he's missed it every time. God comes into a place of mercy flowing out of his heart, and God is in a human flesh being, Jesus, and he walks up to this guy, and he says, do you want to be made well? See, the definition of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is God in the body of a human. So God in the body of a human walks up to the guy, do you want to be made well? And we think, well, yeah, that's easy. Yeah, I I want to be healed. Do you want to be made well? It's a simple question. You would think he would say yes, but he makes excuses. See, I I think in his weakness he becomes so comfortable. I think in our weaknesses we become so comfortable And we just go to the house of mercy. We go get under the porch ceiling. We just go to church. We do what we do. We have all of the weaknesses. We have all of the hurts. We have all the infirmities. We have all of these things in us that need to be healed. But we become so, so lame and so passive and and so lethargic. Yeah, I, I, I just see it. This is the way I see it. This is the way I used to tell kids. There is no way you can make me believe that after 38 years, this guy could not have made it and get in that water one time. Oh, but pastor, he's lame. Yeah, well, drag yourself over at the edge of the pool. And you know three times a year, I don't know if it's the day of the feast, the day before, but it doesn't matter. For those two or three days, park yourself right on the edge of that pool, halfway cocked up, so that when the water stirs, you just flip over like a fish and you get your healing. <laughs> I actually demonstrated that in the 830 service today. I laid down on this platform and I flipped over on the floor like a fish. You think I'm kidding. I had to do something to wake those people up. I had a couple come up to me and say, are you okay? Did you hurt yourself? Give me a break. So listen, how long are you going to attend a house of mercy and live with and put up with your weakness? Jesus died, yes, to save you, but he also took stripes on his back so that you could be made well. And it's in the physical, it's also in the emotional, and it's in the spiritual. You can have healing and wholeness. But here's what I want you to see. It's the indwelling of God in a human being. I'll I'll give you a couple examples. We got got people who, you know, you don't like small groups. That's how you, you you can't do life alone. You got to do it small group. You need people around the church and not just buzz in and be independent and isolated and buzz out. You You need people. You need believers. You need to be around them. But let's just say you're in a small group and your leader says in the middle of the the group says, hey, you know, at the end of, of the group tonight, can we pray for you? Because you just told us about all oh, this is going on or that's going on or this. And, came, and, and then you would say, oh, oh, no, it's okay. It, it'll be fine. It'll all work out. What will be will be. Nah, you don't have to pray. You, 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 and listen, you think, well, that, that's silly. No, no, people will do that. But what, what you may not have thought of is that, that God is in the body of a human being who wants to pray for you to help change your circumstances. 
We're, we're looking at the human being. We're not thinking that God and his Holy Spirit is in this person and God may lead them and direct them in how to pray for you and God does something in your life because somebody prayed for you. Are you understanding the words coming out of my mouth? I'll give you another example. If you've been around here very long, you know how it, 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 almost every week at the end of the message, we give an opportunity for you to come for prayer. Not just for the theme of the message, but also for any need you have in your life. So you, you have to understand that the lady that stands here or the man that stands here or the couple that stands here, God is in their human being. The Spirit of God is there. It's not some rote memory, some little thing we go through and whatever. No, it is they're starting, they start to pray for you and God's Spirit leads them and directs them so that they may know how to pray for you to receive healing or help or direction or repair circumstances in your life. But you see, we don't think about it like that. See, the way God's going to change this earth is God in us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God in us. And, and, I, and, and, and listen, I, I know it's, it's, you know, 16 years, but I, I can remember, I can't remember everything I said, but I can remember the, the first service uh, on, on, a, on a Sunday night. It was about 35 people, and, and, I, and I spoke on everyone's a minister. And here's what I told them. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to start, and I want people to stay. And I say, you run into somebody at Walmart that's sick and hurting, don't call me. Pray for them. You don't need me to do that. Everyone's a minister. And you see, here we are. You say, well, yeah, okay, I know that. But understand that God in us, when somebody is led to pray for you or you come for prayer, the God in them, that, that, that's how he's going to dwell. That's how he's going to minister. So, so don't refuse that. You know, maybe you need to get in a small group. Maybe you need to come to the altar. That's fine. But, but see, what area do you need to be made well in? You need to stop making excuses. You need to put some effort into it. You need to humble yourself that your experience it may not be that way. It may not be the way you were raised. Listen, the way I was raised, it's not, it's not, how, it's not how, we do, how I do business now. It's not how I do church now, the way I was raised. I, it, it, it's not the same. But I, had, but I had to allow God to make a transition in me to see, no, this is the way I want. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus is God. He's your Savior. He's your healer. And he wants to make you well. What do you need to do? Quit making excuses. Put effort into it. I, I'm telling you, I have never seen someone who wanted healing and wholeness and wellness in their lives that didn't put effort into it, that God didn't show up and minister to them. I'm telling you. But if you've got to twist their arm to get them to do it, if you've got to listen to all their excuses... Well, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Nobody at the church called. Nobody at the church came and did this. And every, everybody at the church, and there, nobody this, and the pastor this and that. That's all excuses. What's the purpose in all of that? Nothing. What are you doing? You're, 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 you're not looking for Jesus in all of this. I'm telling you, this is not about a man. This is not about a name. This is about Jesus Christ. And he wants his children healthy. He does not want you to be living lame or crippled and have weaknesses because of words or actions or deeds or even in the physical. He wants to make you well. And here, here's, here's how I want to I I close. I 
I want to give you an opportunity. We, we want to pray for you. And I believe there are some would say, Pastor, this message is speaking to me. I have weaknesses. I believe there are some that would say, I, I have weaknesses in my body, in my physical body too. I believe there are some that would say emotionally, I, I have weaknesses, fear, depression. I have weaknesses. I, 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 I really, listen, get out of this history. And, and, and it doesn't matter which side of the realm you came, of the aisle you came from, you know, the extreme this or the extreme that. It doesn't matter. It's Jesus. It's not some man-made, worked-up, something, something. It's Jesus, and it's you taking an act, stepping, standing as an act of faith and taking your bed and stepping out and saying, I want prayer. I want the God in somebody to minister to me and help me and heal me so that I can walk, so that I can move, so that I can finish, and I can accomplish what he's called me to do. And by the way, if you're a believer, he didn't call you to sit. He didn't call for you just to lay around. He called for you to run and be active. And, and, I, and I'll tell you this. This body that you have right here, this body goes back to the earth, but as a believer... You should wear this sucker out for Jesus Christ. You should run it into the ground for Jesus Christ. You should never, ever stop running. But some are not running. Some are not even jogging. Some are not moving. Why? Because there's a weakness, and you may not realize that Jesus can heal you and make you well. So I want you to stand but not leave the room. Mobile, would you stand not leave the room? I want us to sing this course together, and then I'm going to pray for you. Let's sing this together. Come on, you know it. Do you, do you believe that? Sing it. for you. In fact, I just, all, all the leaders come on to the front. Mobile, Malbus leaders just come to the front. I'm going to pray for you and when I say amen, we're dismissed. If God's speaking to you and tugging at your heart, I want you to step out and the Lord will put you with the right person to pray for you. Then if, if, if you need to leave, you go ahead and leave. But I'm asking you not to talk in the worship center, but wait till you get in the commons. Or maybe you just want to stand there and worship because we're going to worship and then we're going to pray for people. We, we've literally prayed for hundreds of people this weekend. We've had people come to Jesus Christ in salvation this weekend at this, coming for healing and realizing, I'm, I'm not even born again. I'm not even a believer. I need Jesus. Listen. The old, old little catchphrase, fake it till you make it. 
That doesn't work with, with God. It doesn't work in your, in your being. You, you can't. It just won't work. It just will not work. If you're bound, if you're lame, you have a weakness, I want to pray. When we dismiss, you just come this way. Okay? Does it matter the age? Does it matter who it is? But if you've listened to the word and the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart, be obedient. God has a plan for you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will draw every person to you that needs wholeness and wellness. I pray that you will heal our weaknesses in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Come on, let's worship. God bless you.